0: Coming up in this episode of the Super Pestis Roundup podcast, we talk about all the goings-on and selections for game managers for Italansi. Plus, we have a very special guest interview with the legendary Juha Korhonen. That's all coming up on this episode of the Super Pestis Roundup podcast. Welcome to episode 28 of the Super Pessies Roundup podcast. Uh, Joining me uh, is my co-host and uh, resident coach, it's Mikko Pirhonen. Mikko, how are you doing?
1: Good. I mean, this is the, I know the later part of the season is the so-called business end of the season, but uh, especially this year, it seems like it's, there's games every day. I mean, the schedule is really patchy, so to say. So, each and every evening you get to <laughs> at least you either watch a live game or afterwards you watch it like uh, on a thirty-minute, uh, like a highlight thing. But but yeah, it's it's a bit busy, but that's what we've been waiting for. So. Oh, good.
0: And he's back with us, uh, my friend from across the pond, the welcome return, the first time back uh, this year so far, it's my dear friend, Ron Bronson. Ron, how are you doing?
2: Doing good. It's good to be back on the show. Good to see your faces.
0: Well talking about uh, some of the news that's happened uh, miko you said that uh, on the last podcast that things were really starting to to hot up that there was probably going to be a lot of things to talk about uh, in this episode well i i struggled to cut down the number of articles and and things i wanted to to look at in the news um for this episode but the the more positive stories uh, the first one that came to mind because we are slowly reaching Uh, July, we're getting closer to the Atalansi game, we now actually know uh, who the game managers will be, and we've also had announced the first uh, players who've been voted for uh, by the fans. Um, So we have uh, Irohaimi for the Men's East, uh, from KPL of course, and Tommy Niskanen of Impoli uh, for the Men's West some obvious choices uh, given where both of those two uh, teams uh, have been standing so far uh, this season. Um, in the women's uh, we have uh, Jarko Pokala of uh, Pori uh, for the West and women's East is Yussi Viljanen of Kiritaret. Uh, Kirittiret has been a little quieter so far uh, this season but they're they're slowly rising Back to the top, where we expect to see them. Uh, Mika, what did you make of those uh, choices?
1: Well, the let's let's just say that three out of four were obvious, and uh, like you said, is like they are just flying under the radar at the moment, and William has even been on a sick leave, but. Uh, like I actually accidentally opened a can of worms, uh, t- starting to talk about the whole East West thing uh, a couple of days ago, and today on social media, and uh, that's one of the things that in the in the women's East team there are actually only four clubs to choose from, and uh, since you have and the other ones are if I remember by heart they are in places 8, 9 and 11 on the table so it's not like you have <laughs> a huge amount of choices to be honest but but yeah good fair choices and, uh, and that, that shouldn't be a problem
0: hmm. Well talking a little bit about mixing up uh, the east west we have obviously spoken before maybe about uh um origin series you know where people are, are, are from their breeder clubs and so on and uh recently on twitter i've seen north and south uh, possibly being um, <laughs> uh, an interesting new idea as well of course the um women's circus basis uh, is divided into north and south uh, blocks so um yeah. Some some interesting thoughts spinning around in social media. Um, but Ron, what did you make of uh, some of those appointments?
2: Um, nothing on the appointments, just <clears throat> I'm enjoying the discussion about the format. We actually discussed this. We broke the story. We talked about this last year before it was big on social media about all the different formats, like state of origin. So you're like if you're from the east or the west, if you were born there or your f- first club was from there, you'd play for them as opposed to how it is now. Um, obviously, the north-south possibility, which was apparently a one-time thing in the 70s, which I didn't know about. Um, yeah. I th- Also, but but jokingly, given that Cure Direct, right, even though they didn't win the title last year, given their dominance of women's baseball the last 20 years... It seems fitting that it'd be all of the rest of the East versus them in an All-Star game. That seems fitting to me.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and in terms of the uh, players who've been voted for by fans uh, in the men's, we've seen the clash of the two pitchers uh, who uh, delighted the men's final last year. So you have Putimaki and Yannick Kivipelto, who recently has announced this will be his last season. Um, Good choices, Miko. I I know we've talked a little bit about uh, for example, Apokor-Malainen being one of the more solid pitchers so far this year,
1: but but what do you think about that? I think that Kivipelto got this uh, fan vote due to him like he the the club announcing that it will be his final year and uh it would be kind of an awkward situation that he would end his career with more the with more like uh pitcher of the year awards than Italian selections because now he has two two versus one so it's like uh i i think that he got it on that but uh yeah, that would have been uh, actually very good choices. Abokomulane would have been a, an excellent choice. Mapilatwala would have been an excellent choice, and uh, I I think that also from the west side, western side, uh, Potemaki will win any popular vote <laughs> due to his presence in every possible social media channel. But that's the we're well, we living nowadays, so no Bimberley player actually stood a chance to be honest, even though they should have.
0: And in the women's, we saw um, no surprises uh, Emma Kirke, uh, always a fan favorite, uh, there from Kiritaret, and uh, slightly surprised um, me anyway in the vote, um, Suri Eskola of Mansa. Now, Siri has been playing very well so far, as has Manson, in fact, in the women's super basis. Um, She has five home runs herself and um, 34 runs batted in, 70% success rate uh, with runners in scoring position. So that's that's pretty, pretty damn good. Sorry, Ron. Yeah. What do you make of the selections?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think Escalo has been an interesting player because didn't she play somewhere else before this? Wasn't she, like, new that team? Making this up? Yeah. I thought it, so. yeah. That's what I thought. She's a free agent. So for her to be on that team and to, like, be able to, like, get out of the shadow of Emma Carco and that whole, like, at lineup and being able to be like, no, actually, I'm really good, too. I think she deserves it. Um, yeah. So I think that she stood out to me all year. I've not watched a ton of women's games this season other than, you know, Virkia, obviously. But but the little bit I've seen Amanda when they beat Virkia. Um, I be, I was impressed by their lineup and like oh they're they're serious, so I think that they're putting the league on notice. Well, they they were close last year too, which people we'll need to note yeah. that that team was should have gotten to the final last year and didn't. So I think they're they're hungry for one. If they've seen the men do it, I think they're hungry. So that this seems like a fitting spot for them.
0: Well, they they came from a, a very challenging position last year. Um, and uh, they managed to steer them steer their way, and uh, like you say, al- almost uh, gatecrashing the final. Um, they did very well in Holly SM this year, and they so far have come out the blocks and they're they're at full speed. So I'm I'm really interested to see that uh, at women's team this year. The one thing that perhaps is the dark cloud on the horizon for. Uh, the Atalance game is the possibility even though people keep saying that it isn't a possibility that uh, the new stadium for Mansa will not be ready in time for the big game Um, I saw some photographs I think it was um, a few days ago now and there I can see the spot where I've booked my ticket and they're literally just lifting (laughs) the girders and things into place I can see that's where I'm going to be Um, it's going to be awfully tight because they've had to cancel some of their home games uh, just a few days before, I think about a a week before. Um, Miko, do you think that the promises of it being ready for that game are good? Or or do you think maybe they're crossing their fingers and hoping for the best?
1: The latter, because I, I I think that they are quietly confident that they will now be able to finish the job in time. But uh, of course, it's not a not a good sign if you have to, like, like you said, just a week before it's supposed to be like uh, the Italian game, you have to play somewhere else so if it's gonna be that close uh the the federation has had to come up with like plan b and plan c and they have some like spare you know spare but other options where they could play but that's a that's a very unique situation i don't know if we've ever had that in the even in the previous years that that it's still we're talking about the game is in three weeks time and uh it, and it could be played in Tampere it could be played in Senaioki okay, it could be played in Johansson I mean that those <laughs> oh, are possible and that's like that that's something like mind-blowing
0: well yeah it's it's uh, it's a strange situation to see because of course this is the All-Star game that minds have had in the works for 2 years now because of course they were supposed to be hosting in 2021 but of course then covid happened and then Pori's um 2020 um event got postponed to 2021 and here we are so it's a little worrying to see things um, not running to time. Um, Ron, do you think they'll be ready?
2: I think uh, a bigger thing to say is that this thing could have just been a Helsinki and we could have been done with this. <laughs> 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 like, yeah. we literally just could have done this in Helsinki and everybody raised yeah. all this hell about not putting it to Lancy in Helsinki because Whatever. And now look at us. Yeah, That's all I have to say about it. <laughs> <I, laughs>
0: when I was when I was in Finland last year, I visited the the Olympic Stadium, and I really liked all the open space. And it was a huge contrast to the grandstands that I saw at Pori, where they'd had to kind of fence in the field really to accommodate all the spectators. And of course, they don't have that problem at the Olympic Stadium all right, yeah, you know, it, it, it would be on, on grass, which, as we've seen from some of the games earlier this year, are not, not ideal. Um, but I still think it would be a, a really good venue, a great occasion. But we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll hope and see. Um, if
2: their team's playing, on, <clears throat> playing regular season games on grass, and we go all the way to Spain and play regular season games on grass why not the all-star game that doesn't matter at all? Like, in the grand <laughs> scheme of things. Yeah, I mean,
1: there, the, the talk about the playing the all-star game at the Olympic Stadium was uh, the, the reason that they didn't like, the reason why Monse didn't let that happen was due to uh, the city of Tampere promising them to get the stadium for the one hundredth anniversary of the sport. And if it wasn't like if if they gave away the Itala, they couldn't have gotten the stadium at all. So that was why they were like yeah. So there that was that was, was the reason. But but it's still like it's also a thing that like bothers me a bit because they they could have also changed the surface a bit on the Olympic Stadium. So they were it's it's a bit like uh, it's not completely uh, changeable, but you can you can change the you can uh, like accommodate the surface so that it's more basis friendly, and uh, like I've said before. Back in the eighties, they used to play Italian games at the Olympic Stadium, and they always had five five figure uh, attendance in those games. And uh, but yeah, that's that's not gonna happen now. One of
0: the other um, articles that caught my eye recently was uh, involving uh, constacorica who. We've steadily been watching his progress and his career after uh, Pesopolo and embarking on baseball. Now, the last we'd heard, of course, he was uh, playing in the Spanish leagues. The news broke uh, earlier on to say that he's actually moving now to the Bundesliga in Germany, which is a more professional outfit um, and perhaps one step closer to professional baseball in America. Uh, Ron, what do you make of that move?
2: He's still young. I mean, I think that obviously at this point, the way I look at his experience, he's done a good job of promoting other things and trying to make a little bit of money. I've seen his, I follow his social media. I think from a pure talent perspective, given that he's already so behind anybody his age doing this, you have to be realistic about his ceiling. And so it's obviously not the majors. It's more like coming to America and playing in an independent league, which is for our fans who don't quite follow the hierarchy. Independent leagues are separate from the major league, triple-A, double-A AA hierarchy. Um, it can sign anyone, and um, and they often will sign players for attention, or there's a woman playing in one of those leagues right now, which, you know, American baseball teams don't typically have women on them. so. I think that that's his ceiling. Um, I think obviously going to Germany is one step in that direction, but at some point he's going to have to figure out if he's serious, is getting over here and getting in front of like actual, you know, like American coaches and being in this ecosystem a little bit so that he can figure out where he really is benchmarking. But also just being in Europe and having fun is also really cool. It's a good story in Finland. It's never been done like this and he's young. So I think it's great for him and really cool that he decided to do it. And hopefully someone younger at some point decides, hey, I want to try this sooner and see where that goes. So that's a lot on that. But I'm actually really excited that it's happening. I think it's really cool. We've all talked about it for years, you know. So it's cool to see somebody finally step in and do it. We inspired someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, we
0: see... Um more support growing for baseball in in Finland as well, the Finnish Baseball Association, uh, obviously with close links with the uh, Pespaar Alito as well, and I think recently they played an exhibition game against Estonia, if I'm I'm right. Um, But Mika, what what do you make of the news?
1: Well, it's definitely a step in the right direction because uh, (coughs) before the pandemic, I used to live in Valencia, where he was playing now, and I know exactly what, what it looks like, what the whole like scenario is like. The it's it's played on a venue that is actually yeah, it's it it looks like a baseball field that is like. Uh, Uh, there's a football field next to it and and, uh, an American football field on the other side and and maybe a dog park somewhere (laughs) and it's like so it's uh, and the players are like yeah they are athletes but they are not like uh, no I mean and when when he goes to Bundesliga it's uh, I, I don't to be honest, I don't know much about it, but I do know that it is uh, one, one step higher, and I take Ron's word for his ceiling. Uh, that's uh, probably how it goes. But what I'm, what I'm actually uh, glad to hear is that, for example, when I've been talking with uh, some of my friends who coach like younger kids we're talking about like 15 16 year olds or even younger they are enthusiastic to see, to see that and they are on social media and they are talking out loud that they want to follow that path so it's like uh, he's he's the one just opening that path is uh, I don't I, I mean I think that some of the expectations in Finland have been unrealistic about him due to some, let's say, Yankee scout coming to an Italiense game. It it doesn't mean that the player is going to go to their spring camp and get get straight to their bullpen, but uh, that's like... uh, but I'm happy to see that we, are, we need that kind of uh, uh, diversity and uh, communication with other bat and ball sports.
0: Speaking of communications, one announcement that uh, came up recently was that uh, the Pespa has appointed a new media and communications manager uh, who will be starting, uh, I believe, on the 1st of August this year and that's uh, Taina Rinta uh, kauha Yarve. Um my understanding is that she has been working alongside others as part of the ice hockey uh, world championships in Dampere, um and Helsinki this year um, which of course brought some great success <laughs> for Finland um, what do you make of the, of the move Mikko?
1: I I have no idea, because <laughs> they they have changed the whole structure of the organization and the federation, and uh, I I ha- I have no idea anymore who's calling the shots and why and what they're like aiming for. But uh, what I read about the like I I read. I read the same announcement that you are referring to. I haven't done any more background work or anything like that. I, I think that uh, any person of that caliber would be a shrewd assignment. Uh, we need more media coverage and stuff like that. But yeah, I that's... That, that's pretty much all i can <laughs> like, like s- dig out of it
0: yeah well that that was pretty much my thought as, <laughs> as well i wasn't quite sure what to what to make um like you say there's been so many changes in in personnel at the though in the last 12 months or so it's hard to keep track of, of what direction the organization's taking um she seems like Um, Somebody who can do great things uh, for the sport. It'll be interesting to see whether those things uh, come to pass or not. Um, But we'll have to wait and see. The most interesting uh, piece of uh, news about the games themselves has been uh, Juha Korhonen reaching an epic milestone of hitting his 100th. Uh, home run or going to York, so uh, in super places Um, Ron, did you catch that moment?
2: I did catch that moment. Uh, very cool. Um, first man to hit 100 home runs, first player to do it only in the regular season games for our friends at home. There's a woman who hit 111 home runs in like the 40s to the 60s, she played. But my understanding is that some of those home runs were like playoff home runs. Uh, but in any case. Hunter home runs the hunter home runs. That's hard to do. Who's already the men's leader? Um, what a cool uh, you know, I know this isn't like a baseball record, he's not Barry Bonds, but still really hard to do. Especially in this era of like, you know, pitching is better, everything is better now. So to be able to do that in this era is a big deal. Yeah.
0: And of course, you know, home runs are effectively like triples. You know, it's it's not like you 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 knock it out of the park and that's that. Um, that there's a certain element of of look and skill <laughs> combined, I suppose, that uh, really uh, gets you to that milestone. But he he certainly is a, a player who um, knows his way around most,
2: if not all, of the uh, Paces uh, stadiums in in Finland. For context, I don't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to like do the thing where we do where you're like a baseball Paces thing. Like, how triple? in baseball is completely absurd like like just for context like career and they play 162 games and so you just you look at the records of like you know players that have like a like that many that many triples like it's going way way back um over so to do it in 30-ish games over a career is pretty absurd
0: uh, miko what's your take on the milestone
1: He's hit a home run in pretty much every sixth game of his career. And he also played on the outfield uh, for basically for the first half of his career. So he wasn't, of course, he also got into like scoring chances and he was also um, in the batting lineup, he was the number four or five. That he was also quite reliable as a second baseman, uh, but uh, now obviously he's uh, just a choker. And uh, but but yeah, that's uh, that that's one of those milestones that uh, yeah there will be competition and. Uh, Henry is not that far behind and maybe in like 10 years we're going to see somebody surpass that uh, like way over his numbers but at the moment I think it's just a fitting uh, how should I say it I, I, I feel I feel actually very good for uh very humble and a good man and an incred- incredible, incredible uh, player. Because uh, he's he's such a, I mean, his interview is coming up later in this episode. I know that, but uh, just just one anecdote about him, uh, and it doesn't necessarily, I mean, it doesn't have to do with hitting hitting the home runs, but. Uh, like maybe 10-12 years ago I was like I was watching the some like third level so Swarmesaria Bessis uh next to uh, in close close to Helsinki in Järvenpää and uh, I went to the game and all of a sudden I just noticed like a lonely figure sitting in the stands and I was like is it is that Corre? Is that you are Corre? And he was like, Yeah, hey, hey, man, come here. And and I was like, Yeah, what are you, what are you doing here? And uh, he was like, Yeah, I mean, my my kids were like, they, they went to their hobbies, and I was thinking about what to do. And uh, so I came here to watch the game. And I was like, Man, you, I mean, you you commute an hour each day to work you you play for 20 years in super and in your spare time you go to watch (laughs) some third tire games and he knows absolutely every detail about the game and uh, i respect him enormously
0: well uh, miko as you say we've got that interview coming up uh, later on uh, in the podcast Uh, but before we reach that interview. Uh, we'll actually take a look at the uh, power rankings. <clears throat> um, so obviously on, on the blog recently, I've been doing the power rankings each week, which basically gives us an idea of how each team is uh, performing. Um, the last couple of weeks, uh, Vimpoli have been uh, romping ahead and they are at top uh, both weeks three and four. Um, we did see the um, KPL drop uh, significantly in the last week, uh, down to 11th. Um, and Sotcom will return uh, to the top three for the first time since the first week of the season. Um, but the team I wanted to talk about first of all is uh Obviously, last year we saw them really dominating, certainly towards the end of the season and then the postseason, um, despite a very close final uh, against KPL, this week now they're they're sitting at fourth in the power rankings. They had a relatively easy schedule, but they still couldn't get the full three points against Koskin Korva. So, are are Manchester
1: hitting their stride yet? Are they are they back to their full form, Miko? no they're not i mean they they know it themselves and they're just uh they they acknowledge that and uh okay their outfield is playing pretty well there's no major issues there okay some some things to sort out but nothing nothing that big but uh I think that it's just a combination of, uh, okay, having a new game manager is always something but it has more to do with their experienced players, like, I think, and I've spoken about this before, that when when we reach, like, the la- later parts of July, and... Then August, and they have finished this tour around Finland, and they get to play on their home stadium. If it sometimes actually gets <laughs> gets ready, uh, then we will see the real monster because. We, we need to remember that they, they haven't even been able to practice at their own stadium. So they And there's no other stadium in Tampere where you can do that. So there's like everyday issues like this. So I, I think that it affects that they have not been hitting their stride. But that's no excuse for anything. They, they should have done better and they know it themselves.
0: And of course, having a new game manager and not having the opportunity to train really makes the problem a little bit worse. You know, it, it doesn't help ease that problem um, because the training is uh, is so difficult. Um, as I mentioned, Vimpeli are are really romping ahead uh, at the moment, and they find themselves at the top of the table. I mean, we were all joking a little bit uh, before the podcast um, started, but Ron are they the real deal this year? Could they go all the way?
2: I think you have to take them very seriously. Um, you know, obviously just on the show, I'm a neutral observer, but watching them, you know, I'm always skeptical about teams that race out to the top early in the season because the playoffs are a different animal, but you're looking at the regular season to see trends and traits and things that will uh, carry on into the post season. And, Historically, Vimpoli is a team that didn't like to win close games. They'd blow games that they'd be ahead and then let somebody into the game last two years. This year, they're not doing that. This year, they beat people decisively. They need to win a close game. They win a close game. It seems like whatever's going on, that game manager is his second season. So he's I think he's figured things out a little bit better with that team. And they're starting to buy into what he's selling. And also, obviously, the elephant in the room in this is Ruska you lose Ruska and you're like, well, it was a fun run they had. Oh, well. And I think that instead what you're seeing is is that without that presence, and he was a young guy. So now you had this team full of, you know, like mix of guys who've been in Vimpoli a while. You some veterans, but you also have some younger guys who come up in that system the same way he did. And I think that they are gelling maybe better without that locker room presence in a way that I was not expecting, to be honest with you. I did not come into the season expecting this level of Success obviously, Manza being in seventh place is also kind of wild, but but it, it remains to be seen how it'll play out. But I think you've got to be really encouraged by how the ways they're winning, how they're winning, replacing their pitcher, he's settled right into the situation. So yeah, I think it's they look really, really good.
0: Yeah, well, I I was watching the um, the game between Vempoli and Sotkamo. Obviously, the new Mariex. Uh, stadium, and it really was a bit of a duel between those two pitchers. It was really, really good to see um, trying to look at it from a defensive uh, perspective. The only loss at the time of recording that uh, Vimpoli have had was to uh, Patioki, which really perhaps was a bit of a lopsided loss. Uh, overall, they scored uh, 10 runs across the two yaks, so compared to Patioki's six. But it was that um, that home run from Yusuke um, uh in the Super that that uh, that sealed it. The bases loaded, and as I mentioned before, you know it's one of those things where it's a matter of skill and sometimes luck as to where the ball goes. So even their loss, they 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 didn't lose spectacularly. Uh, as sometimes Fimpley uh, has done back in the past. the come back two days
2: later and the <laughs> So, like, yeah. that's, the, that's the real test. Is you're like, okay, you lose to Paddy U. All right, fine. What are they going to do on Sunday at home? Are they going to get punched in the mouth? No. They won. They grinded that win out. It wasn't the prettiest win, but they still won 2-0. So, I mean, they're for real.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like you say, you know, it's not necessarily how you lose, but what you do afterwards and how you come back from it. And and really, uh, this is a team to to watch out before. Going from some of the better teams to perhaps some of the teams in trouble, I've noticed a bit of a trend with uh, Senioki. They seem to really struggle to turn close periods and tie Yakso into points and wins. Um, so far this season they're, at the time of recording they're bottom of the league and I, I totted up they had six Yakso where they've lost by a single run and four that they had tied so far this season and of those ones that they tied um, were against Mansa, Darko, yohansu so game, games which You wouldn't necessarily expect them, if they're bottom of the table, to be really uh, troubling, those sort of teams. And yet, they come so close, and they come up with nothing. I worked out that if they'd have gone ahead in any of those 10 yaksos, at least half of them, they'd currently be 11th rather than bottom of the division. Miko, do you think this is going to be something that they'll look back on and think, if only we'd have just been able to get across the line here and there, got those extra points?
1: Well, no, not really, because that's their biggest issue in the whole season. Uh, Their outfield is actually pretty decent. They didn't lose like, okay, Elmer Iliato went to Joensu, who was like a big part of their outfield, but they have some uh, real talent uh, coming up from their own ranks. And uh, but but they lost. First of all, they lost Villa Vita, who was uh, really uh, important for them as a, like uh, as a choker to get runners on second base or third base or so, and then. Uh, jukka pekka who went to Vimpeli uh, during during the last three seasons he hit well almost 50% of all the runs that Jumuyoshi scored I mean and when you lose somebody like that and you try to replace them with two players from Ykköspäsis uh, that's what you're gonna get I mean you get uh, every now and then you get a like a decent game out of them but no continuity and uh, well yeah uh, they're not horrible and they're, they're well coached and well drill, but they're just uh, well the quality is just not enough
0: well, one of the teams that we were looking at earlier on in the season, or even the pre-season, that we thought may struggle um, was Koskan Korva. At the moment, and at the time of recording, they're currently eighth uh, in the division. They have been slightly higher. Um, they, they've sort of surprised me, and in particular some of their recent games, where they've picked up wins and points against teams you wouldn't expect. Um, in particular with uh, Elias Pitkinen on loan from KPL's uh, Ukespes' team. And we know that uh, Pitkanen is lining up to take over from uh, Kivipelto uh, after this season. Do you think that Koska and Corva are now a playoff contender at run?
2: Um, I'll be I'll completely honest and say I've not watched one Coaster game all year. But... From what I, but I'll say two things. One, it doesn't surprise me because watching them a lot last year, that team's always been a team that I feel like got a, the American saying is is uh been able to get a dollar out of twenty five cents. It's, they're able to like they're always able to like. You're like, how are they winning? I don't understand how they do that. And and so I'm not surprised they've been able to manage that this season. A team I would say, though, in that realm that I would watch out for just because of the personnel is IPV. Um, it, given their experience last year, you know, being the eighth team in the playoffs, obviously um, pushing, you know, the defending champions now to the met of the limit like that, adding Tony Cajonan is always in any locker room ever is always a thing. I don't care if you're 100 years old. Whenever you put that guy on the field with you, um, you have a you have an opportunity to be competitive. Um And so, you know, obviously with my city being in that realm, too, that I think those teams in that playoff line, um, it's going to be a dogfight. So I don't look at the rankings and standings right now and think uh, any of those teams are going to be comfortable where they are. Um, Every win they get now is going to really matter for that late July, early August part where, you know, one game can get you, three points can get you in or not. So... I don't know. But I'm not surprised that Kasu um, is, is is in the spot that they're in.
0: Do you have anything to add at all, Miko, on that?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, they're as uh, gritty as it gets. I mean, they they just stay in it. And just like run said, it's like they, they turn it into a dogfight. And you cannot pick pick a, like one single player out of it okay some players are having decent seasons but nobody is like spe- spectacular but they are they just their outfield is good enough now especially when they actually have a pitcher and that kind of helps and uh, now with Bitkanen, and they are they are staying in they they have close games with uh in Sotkamo. In they took a point uh, from Vimpeli. Uh, they they also uh, now they uh, lost like one nil uh, to Manse, it, we, and the even the other Yakso was like three two. So uh, my answer is no. They are not playoff contenders, but uh, but also. When they keep up this pace, uh, they're not going to have any issues with the relegation either.
0: Well, that'll do it for the first part of the podcast. We'll take a short break now. And when we return, uh, we'll have an interview with uh, Juha Korhonen. Uh, Followed that, we'll then uh, go into the power rankings from the women's support basis. (laughs) Joining me now on the podcast is uh, one of the most recognisable names and faces in the game, and in fact has been so for over 20 years. I could spend perhaps an entire half an hour just introducing the man uh, who has broken a number of milestones, including very recently reaching a record-breaking 100 Konei or home runs. It is, of course, Juha Korhonen. Juha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. How did you uh, actually start playing Uh It was year 1987
3: when I was, uh, actually 86, that I was first time asking my parents to get to uh, play in the Hyvinkääs Pesis, But they said that I'm too young, so... It was 1987 when when my parents allowed me to call the Cora and and that's the thing from there. And uh, I don't know, it it it's just something that came into my mind. No, no, I don't remember that my friends or anybody else that would it be in the Cora So maybe something to do with the thing that i uh, <laughs> my father played played uh, in hyvinkää for 1983 but i was so small that i really don't remember him him playing the a superpis or assembly like
0: it was then and do you have any memories of your uh, early days playing uh,
3: some, some kind of memories about the Pesis-leirit yearly highlight of the year week in, in uh, many cities. For example, it was uh, 19, 1989. We, our leiri was in Kemi, so uh, it, it's very north uh may i'm not sure maybe 2 or 3 hours from Oulu to Nord so it's <laughs> it's not the <a> pe- common pesapallo <laughs> city
0: and you mentioned a moment ago that of course um you growing up in Huvinka and your father having played for Hovinkan uh, Tarko um in during his time as well Most of your career, of course, has been spent with Tarko. What does the club mean to you?
3: Uh, It's a difficult question, but uh, of course, as you said, I have played almost my entire career here, so it's it's a big thing for me and my life. And, And also now that my all three daughters are playing also, uh, so that our family are 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 all pretty much in the tahkos team teams. So uh, it's it's uh, uh, how can I put it? It's a very very uh, important thing of the. More, it's most important thing of the uh, not so important things
0: in life. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, players particularly inspired you, certainly when you were younger?
3: Uh, I have always said that uh, Riku Kytosalmi is the most fan player in the early 90s when he played in and then moved to oulu And of course, from Hyvinkään was Simo Erikänen and Kari Kuusiniemi. So big names in yeah. those days.
2: <laughs>
0: and you mentioned a moment ago having three daughters. Uh, of course, you're also uh, very successful in your professional career um, as an expert uh, involved in in lending evaluations and so on how do you manage to juggle uh having a very active family life being an expert and being an outstanding uh pesapolo player as well
3: uh, i have a very very uh, how can i put it uh, my my wife does the things that I, I can she she takes care of our home and our daughters and and something that I should do but but that's the mo- most important thing thing that that she's she's happy that I I still play because without that this couldn't be possible and also my my uh, co-workers and 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 boss and they are they are flexible so that I can I can do uh, or train and play Pesapallo as much as I, I want and and in the summers do a little bit less working.
0: Now, throughout your career, you'd actually made the postseason every year since ninety nine up until last year. We saw a lot of changes in Hervin Cantaco in the off season, uh, and a much more um, energetic start to the season this year. But what's the atmosphere like inside the club?
3: Uh, it's it's really good. Uh, of course, I just last year I was disappointment and and then uh, a lot of changes in the team, and and it it somehow makes make the atmosphere I think it, it's a little bit more open or, or something like that but because now now as my point of view I think there's players and also coaches have have good feeling to be in the in the team and and we we can discuss about the things that are working on and what we have to develop so that this start of the season is not the best that we we will play this year.
0: Now, you've obviously had quite a a, a long career um, at a very high level and performing very well consistently uh, over at least 20 years. But what has been your favourite moment in your career so far?
3: Uh, it would be easy to say that uh, winning the championship in two thousand seven, of course, of course, that's the highlight of, the, of my career. But uh, but I think uh, uh, it's not fun. But the season twenty twelve. Everything that happened from the shooting in, in May till the end of the uh, season, it's something that <laughs> I hope will never happen for every, any other team. It's, it, it's one, one thing. But, but, um, and then, of course, uh, 2018 in Kouwola, when we h- headed to the final, in the fifth game, in uh, in the fifth semi final, and it was uh, eleven years ago. Uh, eleven years later than the championship, so I think, and, and that that's a thing why I want when it to go. So I think that's that's maybe the somehow funniest or the, or, or the thing in the near future
0: past. Well, you uh, mentioned a moment ago about the 2007 uh, championship. Of course, that was uh, up against uh, Sodcom and Yume, who were the reigning champions um, at the time. Uh, what are your memories of some of those games?
3: Uh, the memories are actually quite quite uh, black. Of course, I, I have seen those games uh, later but but uh, the feeling is uh, 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 how I felt in the in the field it I, I can't describe it because uh, normal normally before that and many other games later uh, I I remember quite specific but some something in the, the, that year and those finals are in, in I, I don't know what, but something happened in my and maybe other heads, so that we were so focused and concentrated, that uh, it some kind of blackout came in the, in the head. So in, after the game, game, I wasn't so sure what happened in the game, in the specific moments.
0: During my introduction, I mentioned, of course, one of the most uh, amazing records that I've seen being broken, and that was when you uh, scored your hundredth home run, or kuniya Yorkshire. What did it feel like when you finally reached third base, and uh, actually scored that home run?
3: I, I think I was happy, but uh, uh, like I said in in our website interview that. I I don't know uh, it I think it it will hit me later that how big is that not, 100 coolary but, but of course it's also a thing that I have played so many years and so many games that it's possible but of course it's nice to be the first one to hit that 100 cooler that's something that that nobody will Ever take away from me? There will be someone going to going going by that my record, but but I was the first, first for the for the hundred.
0: Well, in in terms of your, your hitting statistics, um, you've been successful at moving the point runner, uh, or, um, successful hitting over fifty percent almost every year throughout your career. Uh, And in fact, you're over 50% on your career average at the moment. So you've been an incredibly focused and a very successful hitter. Now, we know that uh, Piccola has been uh, a home to you for many, many years and is probably one of your favourite places to play. But what is your favourite stadium to visit and play at? Uh,
3: uh, it would be easy to say Sotkamo because my father is born there. And of course Vimpeli is a great field, but but there's something maybe that's my first game in Superpesis was there, so I have to say Koskenkorva. I I I I don't know what it is. Of course it's a Nice, nice field, and there's that anti in the second phase, and uh, and it's open almost like peak and then there's that some kind of own atmosphere. But I, I have, I have, I don't know what what it, it's the reason, but it's it's a game, it's a field that uh, I have mostly been very good at.
0: We've talked a lot about the past in your career, even the present. But what are your hopes and plans for the future? Uh,
3: I I I think I have to say, like like many in my ages, that, that I have to be realistic that and uh, take year at a year and and see how I I manage to still be in. In the top, or at least manage to somehow be successful in my own role, and of course the most most important thing and why I still play is I wanna I want that Vinga Tarko will be successful one day again.
0: Well, as I say, we we saw some great uh, games in the last few weeks from from Tarko. Um, and uh, in fact, at one point, Tarko, were top of the table um, in terms of points. So uh, you never know, that could still be on the cards again, even this year. Um, but uh, Juha, uh, thank you very much uh, for joining me on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, to talk to you. Thank you.
1: Sivaltaa ottaa pallon Maisemiin. Näin.
0: Tilanteeksi
3: 2-16. Hyvä lyönti. Attakahan raikuma. Taplonit. Tämä oli Juha Korosen mura. Sadaskunnari.
0: We've looked at the men's uh, power rankings uh, just before the break. And now, of course, we're moving on to the women's superfaces. Um, Kirittiretz rising back uh, to the top. Uh, Lapua have been uh, doing very well as well. And Tarko having a surge uh, recently. Um, I was watching the uh, Lapua uh, um, uh, and Vasa game uh, about a week ago. Now, and it was it was a really tight contest, but uh, Lapour just seemed to be perfect in it. Um, Ron, have you uh, have you been following them much this year?
2: Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of them for the fans at home? That's my women's team. Uh so I think the last couple of years they've had, and this isn't as a fan thing. This is just the truth that 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 team has been too talented to not been able to figure out. It's a team that was a five-peat not that many years ago. And they've just not been able to, like, quite get over the hunt the last couple of years to getting back to the finals and being able to figure out how to, you know, beat the juggernaut that is Um, Of course, last year, Pori had their success that they had. Um, I, I think it's early to pencil them into anything serious. I think they need to... It's got to be about Legit at Lapisto. Um, she was hurt last couple of years, so she hasn't been as. She's still the one. I think the purest hitter in the game. She's not a power hitter. She's just a just just gonna get on base. She dictates the game with her bat, and I think that if she's able to return to form, um, this team has potential to go all the way. But it's gonna really be about her. The rest of the team is really good. Pitching's been better this year. Um, same pitcher, but she's just been better than she was last season. And, and so I think that if those two can stick, stick continue to be how they've been. Um, yeah, this team is lethal. Nobody wants to play them. Nobody ever wants to play this team.
0: Well, I, I'm seeing a bit of a, a leap forwards with the top four uh, in the women's super basis at the moment, sort of starting to break away from uh, the rest of the pack. Um, and, uh, you know, Lapua definitely in, in that group. Uh, Mika, what do you make of Lapo so far?
1: Well, like like Ron said, nobody wants to play them. Uh, so far, they still are struggling with the same uh, issues of inconsistency for me as they did last year, and uh, it's also about uh, Lapista finding her stride. That's like. Uh, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be the thing because uh, for example last year my thought was that they were the only team that would win team teams like get it in a shootout. Like if you if you actually go to play the there and like in nine versus seven or something like that they they can actually win those but their outfield is good enough uh the only thing that uh that they're still like uh, for me they are lacking maybe one runner so that they wouldn't be just so like they wouldn't have to lean that much into the runners that they do have and, and so on. But but overall, I would say that in, in w- women's supervises the top four have found their spots. And from now on, it's like anybody's guess how it's going to go. But for me, the shout-out goes definitely at this point to Monte Pepe, because when you think about that, they have a game manager who has... Who had never managed in the women's passes before? Uh, they haven't also been able to play at their home stadium, and still they lead the league, uh, uh, having played nine games, winning eight, uh, scoring 102 runs, and just uh, their outfield is like giving only about four runs, but. Per game, so that, and they still are playing without Virbihukka. So that's like they are the team for me that has been a, kind of a surprise package, even though we're talking about a, a team of highest quality.
0: Yeah, I agree. Monster um, definitely uh, have been a pleasant surprise uh, so far in the women's super places. Um since I was watching some of the Harley SM games, I've I've been quite intrigued to see how how they're going to do when we get to the regular season. And now we're here, I'm I'm blown away. You know, it it really is uh, fascinating to watch. Moving outside of the top four, one of the other teams that um, we've spoken about actually quite a lot, um, still sticking it in there into the top eight um, is Vasa. Um, we've uh, obviously interviewed uh, Venla Tanhoa um the very talented uh pitcher for uh, for Visa, and um yeah they they're really making a big name for themselves and really disrupting uh the order of things um we talked a little bit before about them being on course perhaps for a top 8 they're currently sixth at the time of recording does it has your mind changed at all, Mika, or do you still see them in that top eight?
1: No, I mean, it hasn't changed at all. I mean, I, I, I definitely see them in the way that uh, they, they are somewhere in maybe spots seven or eight. I I would be, to be honest, I would be a bit surprised if they are higher after the regular season since the promoted team will, they will, like, when we come to July and there will be weeks that have three games and stuff like that, they will run into some issues that come with it. But uh, overall, I think that the structure of their game is good and they have good young talent on their ranks and uh it is a team team on the rise and they are being realistic about their chances uh i i actually i i I followed the lead and since she was so good in the interview i i took her to be interviewed for Vegas also i i have to promote that (laughs) that as well because uh, when i talked to her about the games that were coming up she said that okay playing Pepe, playing lapua which is their obviously their local rival but for example playing Pepe and playing joensu she said that she's like thrilled to be playing against Pepe, but Joensu is their one of their main opponents, and that's like the more important game for them. So they are like, they're not like getting hyped up too much. They're just taking the positives and moving on.
0: Uh, Ron, have you seen much of Vasa this year?
1: I
2: watched their game against Lapua, and I was actually really impressed by them. Um, I, I honestly hadn't paid much mind to them before that. I knew they were new. Um to the league, but I hadn't put much mind to them and 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 looking at I was impressed by their offense. um they were a really solid solid team and now I'm looking at the stats and I'm like oh, this is a really solid team um so I'd be intrigued to see I think it's good for we've talked about the wins game for the last couple of years and it's always more than the men's side even very dominated by, you know, Really, just Kierat at Virkia for years, and now of course Yoma, and you've got Bimansa. Uh, of course, now Polri won a title, so this kind of when you have teams like this that can not only make the get promoted but make the playoffs, they uh, can beat they beat they beat, beat Kierat first game of the season, they take in Virkia to you know to a ninth inning. This is a team that pushing people is, I think, ultimately good for the women's game because it you show the depth that teams are starting to have that players are starting to rise their raise their level to be competitive and so regardless of how it goes i think it's really good for the women's game that we can talk about a sixth place team that with maybe some growth and acquisitions or something could be a team that could maybe break into that top four in the next couple of years and i think that's really cool for women's game because we don't have much of that
0: well we're also a very young team overall and and very exciting to watch they have this uh, this attitude you know we we we've talked about before where they they will grind out uh, wins against uh, uh, people if they can um one team that has been struggling which finally managed to register their first win of the season was uh, Kempele. they they've only scored 27 runs so far this season mika we talked about a lack of confidence do you think that win's done them much in terms of confidence or, or are they still
1: going to be struggling? Oh, they will need a couple more before we can even start about like confidence growing a bit because it has been completely annihilated, to be honest, in the, in the beginning of the season. And uh, they just the snowball has just rolled into a completely wrong direction for them ever, since the beginning of the season. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a really big chance that they're like uh, like staying out of the or being dropped out of the playoff race in the early stages of the season already. Because I, I see it really hard for them to grind their way back after that. And uh, just to keep their spot in Superpaces is, is probably the, like, the goal, the realistic goal. I know that they want, want much more, but. And they can play some tight games. I, I have to give them that. And now they are playing, I think, four home games in a row. So that, that's their like, chance of getting back back to the season and into the season. But unless they win at least two or, two or three out of them, uh, I think we can write them off a bit.
0: Well, in terms of the top eight, of course, we've seen not only Vasa doing well, but um, Roy Hutteret as well. Uh, they're currently uh, in eighth. Uh, places we uh, record, um, I I was a little surprised to see Roma dropping down a little bit into this uh, lower half of the top eight. Um, obviously, not not so much a top four team, but I would have expected them around the five six mark. Do you think they're they're struggling at the moment to keep up with teams
2: like Varsa and Roy Hutteret? Um, Run. Yeah, things have gotten more competitive. It was easier before when it was four or five good teams, and you could kind of pick off the bottom a little bit. But now with that bottom tier, not mean the playoff tier, but even those bottom teams being competitive for the most part, um, or predictable enough that they might give you a game at any given time, it's harder to, you know, to do what I think that team, and I've not watched many of their games this year, but historically did not been able to, like I said, do what they've done in the past where they've been able to sort of coast in that five to seven range, you know, they're going to the playoffs every year. Um, they're still good. They're just not among the elites. They have not been able to break into that upper echelon. Um, and these other teams have definitely won a little bit more, I think. Um, to your point about Rahu, obviously like, you know, that team has always been interesting because they have those two sisters um, who are my favorite players outside of Impoli, of, of And um, I'm just like, man, I, was like, I just hope that Cure Loretta hasn't signed them at some point because they're really good. Um, I think the other one's better than the older one. I forget their names off the top of my head right now. But those two are, you know, they're, they're, they're stars. They're stars. They're just playing at Helsinki. So I think that, that that doesn't surprise me that they've been able to figure things out. I mean, they were a promoted team last year that managed to stay up. We both. I think you and I both saw games of theirs last year. Um, they showed flashes of brilliance, but they obviously couldn't string it together to get enough wins. And I think a year of that with the experience, you know, I don't know who their game manager is now. Is it the same guy, or did they replaced that guy from last year? But anyway, I, I I'm excited to see how the the five through seven, five through eight uh, finishes up on the women's side because I think it says a lot about, to Miko's point, we're used to seeing blowouts in the women's game. You remember a couple of years ago, it would be like 16 and nothing. Remember when there were more teams in the women's league and they were blowing people out all the time? We're seeing a bit less of that now, and I think that's a good thing.
0: Uh, Miko, do you have anything to add about that?
1: I think that... I, I mean, first of all, I agree that it's the unpredictability of things... Is what makes this season like actually interesting, and uh, in terms of Vera, uh, I think that My my prediction of their them finishing sixth in the regular season, I am still going with that. I mean, they haven't been at their best so far and some top teams like Kiritaret and Bezakarhut they have gone to their like home pitch and blown them away. But for example this week they play they played two uh, sorry three away games this week against Seinayoki, Kiritaret and Johensu. So it's a tough, tough week and uh, we are recording this on Tuesday night. And they actually grinded out an away win against Tenayoki. Okay. So I, I think that there's like, in terms of also the analytics that I do about them, like creating scoring chances and uh, getting opponents like away from scoring chances. In terms of that, they are above teams like, uh, say, uh, and Vasa and also Joensu. So I, I think that if they can just uh, keep their pro- progress going, uh, sixth or even fifth could be a possibility if Senaioki collapses.
0: Well, it's another example of my podcast outline going out and then the landscape completely changing um, I love it though, I, I, it's such a great season um, normally if I'd write the, the outline nothing would change for days possibly even weeks after but the moment I'm writing them now and the moment we're recording uh, things are all sort of going slightly out of date um, but yeah, great uh, great to see them win uh, on the road against Seine like you say, uh, in a position where they are going to be battling for the same sort of spots in in the top eight but uh, yeah there's there's a tough game ahead on the horizon now so we'll we'll see uh, how things go as uh, as the season progresses but in terms of defense like you say you, they're not doing too bad they've only conceded 57 runs so far this season which is fewer than uh, Vasa and Roy Hutteret by quite some margin um so it's it's not all doom and gloom for them but uh, yeah things things are definitely more uh, competitive for that top eight now um, so that concludes the uh, power rankings uh, in in the women's super basis and, and the uh, things I was looking to talk about there um, and in fact that'll just about do it for this show as well so I want to thank uh, my co-hosts uh, Mikko pirhonen
1: thank you It was a pleasure to see both of you guys uh, in the same meeting and in the same podcast again after a long time.
0: And always a pro and never rusty coming back, the first uh, podcast after a very long break. Um, My friend from across the pond, it's Ron Bronson. Um, Thank you for joining me again.
2: It's always a pleasure. Thanks for doing this. Uh Oh. I got to say before we hang up it's cool like seeing our growth over the last couple of years of doing this show how professional we've even gotten it's been pretty fun like we're just pros man we're cranking stuff out we're just hitting the segments it's been really fun <laughs> to watch so always a pleasure excited to be back glad you didn't sell my spot on the internet to somebody else. <laughs>
0: nobody would take it
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um and that just leaves me uh, Ian Alba Um, If you're interested in anything you've uh, heard as part of the podcast, then please like or subscribe. Um, Feel free to even leave us a comment. Uh, You can even read more about uh, the sport on my blog. That's superpessisroundup.wordpress.com. You can even follow me on Twitter or Facebook. And occasionally you'll find me writing uh, pieces for Hamina's uh, website, um, including game reviews occasionally, Uh, previews and so on, and occasionally for the Polterlini website as well. Uh, But from me and everybody here at the podcast, we'll see you soon.